We are finishing up habits today. This is part five. And today's habit, uh, the title of the sermon is called Better Together. And this is about the habit of meeting together. The habit of coming to church on Sunday uh, and the habit of meeting together in growth groups or not just growth groups, but also meeting together with friends to talk about your faith. And our passage is in Hebrews chapter 10. So let's read this together. It should be up on the screen. Hebrews 10. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, that is Jesus, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you now, and we thank you. We have so much to be thankful. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your blessings. And we ask that in this moment that you will come, that you will prompt our hearts to whatever you have for us. Speak to us, Father. Give us the, the ears to hear. And, and don't just let it stop with hearing, but let us let us make it a habit in our life. Let us apply it because we want to serve you. We want to walk with you daily. Give us the strength. Give us the encouragement. Give us the power to do that. We know that we have the power of Jesus living within us, and with you all things are possible. We look to you right now in this moment, and we thank you for, for this time together. In Jesus' name, and, if, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever made plans and then wish they were canceled? Or maybe, do you remember that moment where you had plans and then they got canceled, and you were kind of happy, you're just like, yes, right? Because maybe you had plans, and then you get your comfy pants on, and then it's game over, right? There, you know, nothing's happening after that point. Do you like the idea of doing something more than actually doing it? Now, if you can't relate to me, chances are the person next to you can, because it seems like uh, there's two different personalities. But uh, my wife has the personality that when plans are canceled, she typically is very happy. And I think I can explain this phenomenon a little bit with my big idea. And my big idea this morning is this. This is my whole sermon in a sentence. We are created for connection, but we drift towards isolation. We're created for connection, but we drift towards isolation. Now, we know there are some areas of life where we shouldn't do it alone. Uh, for example, moving. If anyone's had to move recently, you know that you're going to need some help when it comes to moving. That's not going to go very well if you try to move by yourself. Or what about uh, using a ladder? Uh, has anyone ever had to use a ladder um, you might think, ah, you know, I don't need a spot, I'm good. Uh, but sometimes you may need help using a ladder. Uh, I think we got a little video we're going to show to illustrate this example. So here, he's got his son, but he's like, no, son, I'm good, I got this. Now, he's got a table on a table on a ladder. So this may not end that well. But yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm good, I don't need any help. I'm going to go at it alone with this ladder. And... Ooh... There are some things that you may not want to go at it alone. You may need help. Now, nobody was seriously hurt. He survived the fall. Don't worry. But he did get a couple million views on YouTube. Um, another area where you may not want to go it alone is putting on sunscreen for a day at the pool or a day at the beach. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought, like, yeah, I just kind of got everything. I'm good. I, I got everything covered that I need. And then a few hours later, after being out in the sun, you're like, something doesn't feel right. Did I, did I miss a spot? Anyone ever been there where you missed a spot? Maybe you could use someone's help with sunscreen. What about playing ping pong, right? 
You could play ping pong alone. You could try. You'd be a nerd, but you could try if you wanted to play ping pong alone. But it's, it's good to have ping pong with a partner. Uh, physical health, working out. It's good to have someone with us, right, that can, that can strengthen us, that can keep us on track. That's something that's good to not do alone. Obviously, relationships, parenting. There's a lot of areas where it's better if we don't get go at it alone. And I'm going to suggest this morning that faith is in that category of things you shouldn't do alone. That faith is in that category. Now, I understand there's a whole lot of reasons why you may feel uh, like faith should be more of an individual walk. Um, first of all, your personality might be more of an introvert. Your personality might be more of a, of a strong, silent type. That's how people characterize me growing up. You're kind of the strong, silent type. Uh, I, I've always considered myself more of an introvert. Um, and, and so that may be your personality. It's just like, you know, I don't... I, I, yeah, I mean, I have friends. I like having friends. But my personality, I'm really a little bit more of a loner, if I'm truly honest, with kind of my, my personality. And, and God made you that way. There's, there's nothing wrong with that, that personality. Um, so some of us are more introverted, and, and we're just more comfortable if we don't have to talk, if we don't have to converse with people. Uh, has anyone ever asked the question, you know, someone said, do you want to go do this? And your question is, are there going to be people there? And if you've ever asked, asked that question, right, you're, you can kind of relate to me. You're a little bit more of an introvert. And, and, and many of us, I think we kind of grew up... Um, you might be able to relate to this, that you always thought your walk was like you and God, right? It's you and God. It's you and God. Like, that is your faith journey. It's you and God, and and that's your faith tradition. You know, that, that's that's not uncommon at all. You Maybe you were taught that, like, you just don't talk about religion and politics. You know, those are things that you kind of avoid. You know, religion and politics, don't, don't talk about those things. Those are things that we can avoid. And maybe you were talking like an independent woman doesn't need anyone, right? These are some things that, that maybe that you can relate to. And, and I'm here to say, if that's your tradition, if that's your personality, if that's your preference or your comfort zone, I want to push back a little bit and I would say, if God has something more for you that, that stepping out of your tradition, that stepping out of your comfort zone is going to help you grow, then the invitation this morning is to give your faith some friends, and to maybe step out into this area. Because we're created for connection, but we drift towards isolation. The first connection that we're made for is connection with God. This is the most important connection. Uh, He brings purpose and fulfillment to our lives. But we're also made for connection with others. For example, who's going to watch the Super Bowl with other people tonight? Right? I I don't think very many people are going to watch it alone. Now, you might be that nervous that you really just want to watch it alone. Right? That might be you. But most of us, we're going to watch it together with friends, with family, right? At a Super Bowl watch party. We're going to have dip. We're going to have wings. Right? We're going to have pizza. And it's going to be a great time. I was watching the Texans uh, game by myself, right? In the first quarter, I was really glad that I was watching the game by myself. And I was thinking, like, I'm going to turn this off and just get my nap in. But in the second quarter, when I was watching by myself, I was like, I was seriously, I was like, I was like, yeah, up and down. And Lauren, like, she doesn't yell. She texts me. She's like, can you be quiet down there? It's like, I was like that excited. Like, I need to watch this game with someone the second quarter. You know, this is, this is insane. But we're, we're made for a connection with others. A couple years ago, uh, I got to take a trip to San Diego. And San Diego, you know, wonderful city, great weather. And uh, one night, I, I was looking, like, you know, what are the tourist spots in San Diego? And I heard about this place called Sunset Cliffs, just north of the city, up by La Jolla. So, uh, so I went out to Sunset Cliffs one evening, and, uh, and and I'm watching. I'm up on this cliff, and the Pacific Ocean is out here. And I go at sunset. So I'm watching the sunset over the Pacific Ocean, and this just beautiful Southern California scenery. And, and, and I'm watching this, and it's truly amazing. And, and I put my headphones in, and I'm listening to some music, and, I, and I'm really enjoying God's creation. And this is a cool moment that, that I still remain, remember a couple years later. But you know, if I was honest, you know what I was really feeling inside? I was thinking, I, I wish Lauren was here for this. You know, I, I wish she could have been here. 
who experienced this with me. Because as cool as it was, if you think about your happiest moments, the times where you're most fulfilled, it probably involves a who or two. It probably involves some other people because we're made for connection. One of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. Any Forrest Gump fans? Yes. One of the best movies of all time. Now, first, I love it because I'm a history lover, and it takes all of these historical events, and it weaves them in to this one story, and, and, and that's cool. But it's also just a really good movie, right? Tom Hanks does, a, does an awesome job. It won all these Academy Awards. Forrest Gump is an amazing movie. And if you know anything about Forrest, he overcomes so much in his life, right? From the adversity uh, as a child to uh, fighting the war in, in Vietnam, right? Uh, an accomplished college football player, surviving a hurricane, a successful businessman, and if anyone in here hasn't seen the movie, you're like, whoa, this sounds like one crazy story. And it is. You gotta, you gotta rent it and watch it, cause it is a crazy story. But Forrest does something in the movie that has to drive you mad every time you watch it. And he always goes back to Jenny. Right? He always goes back to Jenny, and Jenny wrecks his life. Cause Jenny is the worst. But why does he does it? Because we're made for connection. Because we're made for connection. Now, the second part of that is we drift towards isolation. We drift towards isolation because we may think that no one really understands us. Have you ever gotten inside your head? I'm talking like with your thoughts. Have you ever gotten inside your head and you go on that cycle where you're like, people don't really understand me. You have these doubts. You have these insecurities. And when you get into that place inside your head, you don't feel like really being with anyone. You don't really feel like doing anything. And, and this is how sometimes we drift towards isolation. It's just more comfortable. It's not that we're happy there, but it's just that it's more comfortable to drift towards isolation because sometimes it feels like so much more work to try and connect with someone else, to try and reach out. We feel like maybe we should. We feel like maybe it would be good for us, but it feels like so much work to be vulnerable, to reach out, and we just kind of want to be by ourselves in those times. You, you see this in marriages. I've lived it in my own marriages where I know that we're supposed to compliment each other. I know that we're supposed to be a good team and connect with each other. And I'll still make these decisions to put myself first, thinking if I get what I want over here, then I'm going to be happy. And, and it ends up like we start to drift. We start to drift apart. We drift towards isolation, even though we know that we're supposed to be a good team and a, and a good couple. It takes intentionality to not let that happen. And I'm going to put a quick plug here. Relationships theory is starting next week. Uh, the dad's going to do, I know he's excited about it. But if, if you don't know, my mom and dad have done, uh, you know, marriage encounter weekends for, for years. And if there's one topic that my dad can hit a home run on, I know it is marriage. So uh, you don't want to miss it. Whatever your relationship status is or, or, or um, where you, the current state of your relationship, I know you'll learn a lot from it. So make sure you're back here next week. Um, in 2020, we are more connected than ever, but we're also more isolated than ever. An example of this is phones. Did you know that there's more cell phones than toilets in the world? This is a new stat. This is true. There's more cell phones than toilets in the world. Now, before you start thinking too much about that, I don't really know where I'm going with that. I just thought it was an interesting stat I wanted to give you this morning. The average teenager had 300, has 300 followers on social media, but when asked about their friends, they say that they maybe have one close friend. So we're connected on our phones. We're connected but we're still more isolated. Now, I'm not against social media. I'm on social media just about every day. But I also have to deal with I have not been invited to one of my friend's ugly Christmas sweater parties for six years in a row. But guess what? For every one of those years, I still have to look at the pictures from that ugly Christmas sweater party. And inside, if I'm honest, is there a little bit of jealousy? Is there a little bit of like I was left out? There is, but this is why we drift towards isolation because you never hear someone go to someone and say, hey, you know, I just want to verbalize my feelings right now and, and get out my emotions. And I want to be vulnerable, and I want to say that I was actually a little bit jealous when I saw that. Right? 
we do that? <laughs> no, of course we don't do that, right? We drift towards isolation. We think, I don't really want to, I don't really want to talk to that person, you know? Because obviously, they don't want to be friends with me. And this is how we drift towards isolation. But as Jesus followers, we are called to fight the drift. I want to give you three handles to do that, to fight the drift. Number one is remember the faithfulness of God. Remember the faithfulness of God. Everybody needs God. That's the most important connection. Everybody needs God. We're going to take a look at a passage in Joshua. I want to give a little bit of context. This is Joshua chapter 4. Israel is about to enter the promised land. Um, and as they were going to take this monumental step that was years in the making, uh, God wanted them to remember this milestone moment. So Joshua chapter 4, we're going to pick it up at verse 21. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, This is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea. When he dried it up, uh, and when he dried it up, until we had all crossed over, he did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. I want you to think about this. How has God been faithful in your life? How has God been faithful in your life? If you can think back to a milestone moment, think about it. How can you remember that, right? Maybe you do have a tangible way, right? Maybe there's a picture. Maybe there's uh, there's a piece of jewelry. Maybe there's a tattoo, right? There, these are really cool things, and, and, I, and I would encourage you to think about, but maybe you just write it down in a journal, but I want you to think about how God has been faithful in your life and how you can remember that milestone moment because there's going to come a time where you're going to need that reminder, You're going to need that reminder about how God has been faithful and how God will be faithful. When I was graduated from K-State, I was looking for for jobs. I was looking for teaching jobs, and I I put out a 100 applications. Uh, I was applying to every every teaching job that popped up uh, all through the spring semester. I'm talking weeks and months in in Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska. I just wanted a teaching job, and I I could not believe how hard it was. Uh, all of these, 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 these podunk towns all over the place, no interviews, like nothing for, for weeks, for months. And I'm just thinking like, you know, obviously I, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get a job. Like, what am I going to do? Lauren and I had just got married. So I felt extra pressure to make money and provide. And, and, and it was just, I, I felt kind of hopeless. And I ended up, uh, I got an interview and I got a job in Amish country, Missouri. Uh, Tina Avalon is the school district. Right? You probably never heard of it. It's up in Amish country, Missouri. Literally, when I was driving there for the interview, uh, I passed Amish buggies. And it was a K through 12. Uh, there was about like seven kids per class, like per graduating class, right? It was about seven kids. Um, and so, so a tiny school. And uh, the salary reflected that. I mean, it was like, felt like minimum wage, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so this is happening. And as it gets closer to the school year, I'm happy that I have a job, kind of, but Lauren's like, I don't want to move there, right? And you can't, you can't really blame her for that, right? It was one of those things where I was like, you know, this is, I just went to school for four years because I got student loans. I have to, you know, I have to take this job. And Lauren's like, there will be something else. And so we kind of have this relational tension. And as we are getting ready to move, we actually, we had already put a deposit down to, to rent this little place. And, you know, we're moving, you know, to hours away to the middle of nowhere where we don't know anyone. I got a call from Bonner Springs. And uh, they had a job opening, <clears throat> and that was really close to where the school year was about to start. And I had applied. They actually had two openings. I had applied, you know, way back, and I didn't get an interview. And so now they call me and said, hey, we're going to do this real quick. If you can make it in for interview. So I go, <clears throat> and he says, you know, we got hundreds of applicants that want this job. We're going to interview six. And, like, he says this right when I first get there, and I'm just like, 
okay. And I did not do good on the interview. I thought I bombed. And I remember telling Lauren, like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Uh, so we're kind of at that place of what we're going to do. And I still remember when I got the call from the principal. And he said, we want to offer you the job. And the salary was like $15,000 more or something, that, you know, than what I was going to be making. And Lauren was thrilled because <coughs> we had, we were living in Olathe at the time, so it was a really short drive. And it just, it was, it was God providing. It was God providing. And I remember when I told my dad, he said, remember this moment as a milestone in your life of God being faithful. And, and I've, I've never forgotten when my dad told me that in that moment. So when you're trapped, God is faithful. When, if no other example of God's faithful, he's forgiven your sins. And that's something that we can be thankful for. But God is faithful and he will be faithful. I want you to think about when someone that you know is going through a tough time, think about how you can speak into their life about how God has been faithful. Sometimes we need reminders of God's faithfulness. God doesn't leave our side during the difficult moments. He opens up doors of opportunity. He's provided every cent that you needed to help pay the bills. All of this can increase our faith when we think about God's faithfulness. This increases our faith. If you've ever thought about, like, God, increase my faith, if you've ever prayed that prayer, increase my faith, one way I think we can do that is by looking back at how God has been faithful in our lives. Remember the faithfulness of God. And point number two, rely on God's people. Rely on God's people. Everybody needs somebody. We're going to take a look back at that Hebrews passage that we started with, our main text for today. Starting at verse 22, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have formed, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. What stands out to you from that short passage? You notice anything? Let us. It says let us four times. Let us. Let us. Let us. The, the, the passage is saying that this is a we thing. right? This is a we thing. We is better than, than me. Now we could really dive into, into each of those uh, those sentences and, and, and what they all mean. But the, the, the big thing here is that this is a we thing. Christianity is not an independent study. It's a group project. Now, in school, raise your hand if you hated group projects. Anyone here hate group projects? Look around. These are the smart people. These are the smart people right here because they got stuck doing all the work in the group project. Growth is difficult in isolation. If you look at anything that grows, whether it's a field of flowers or anything, it's there's there grows because there's strength in numbers. Growth is difficult in isolation, but can be cultivated when you're together on the right track with others who are like-minded. You need to find a we that accepts you as you are, but loves you enough to not let you stay that way. Because the time is coming, and, and now here, when we need to defeat the sin in our lives, when we need to step out in faith into what all that God has for us, and sometimes we need someone to spur us on in the right direction to do that. We all have a desire to be known and loved. We all have that desire to be known and loved. Now, here's the hard part. We all think if people really knew us, they couldn't really love us. Because if people really knew everything I'd done, if people really knew all the thoughts that I have, if people really knew all the things I could do if I could get away with it and not get caught, they wouldn't love me. They wouldn't even want to be around me. That's what we all think, but that's all of us. Now, here's, here's the best part. There's only one person that knows all that, and he loves you completely anyway. That's amazing, right? It's, it's almost overwhelming to think about that. 
But because God offers that to us, because he knows us completely and he still loves us fully and completely, it gives us the inspiration. It gives us out of the overflow of that, out of the overflow of God's love in our life, we can love others in that similar way. We all need friends, someone who knows us and they love us and they accept us and they want to help us in our walk of faith. Some of us are walking around carrying burdens and cares that we were never designed to carry. God calls us sheep. What does a sheep carry? Is a sheep a load-bearing animal? Do you ride sheep? Do you use a sheep to plow a field? Do you? No, but some of us are carrying around stuff that we're sheep. We're never, we're never meant to carry that. When, you know what happens to a sheep that is weary? The shepherd picks up the sheep. Right? That's how we are. We don't, we don't do carry all these cares. We have someone, a shepherd, that can carry us. I asked a few people in the church to share quotes about growth group and how it has helped them, and I'm, I'm going to read a couple of those. Here is how growth group has helped some people that you're sitting next to. Uh, feeling connected, supported, encouraged, new friendships, finding others have gone through similar struggles as you, new perspectives, knowing that you are being lifted up by a group of people uh, in prayer. Growth group is beneficial uh, and healing to share with others and to also hear their stories. We enjoyed the video teachings and found them applicable to our lives. We didn't invent this growth group model, right? Churches didn't just come up with this in the past few years. It's from the early church. If you look at Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47, each day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, if you make the decision, or when you make the decision to, to give your faith some friends, be vulnerable and go deep in your faith, You're, and have these one another's, right? The Bible has 59 one another's in the New Testament about bear one another's burden, support one another, counsel one another, pray for one another. When you do this, you're going to start to have doubts. And the enemy is going to kind of come in and disrupt and distract. And there's going to be times where you're just not going to feel like going. You're going to think, oh, maybe that's not for me. I don't know if I can commit to this. Jesus told a parable in Luke 14 uh, about a great banquet. So this is Jesus talking in Luke 14. Jesus said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, right? Is the time. Everything's ready. We got a feast full of food. And they all began to make excuses. The first one said, hey, I, I just got a, I bought a field. I got, I got to go see this new property I bought. Another one said, I just bought these oxen and I, and I got to go take care of my oxen. Another person said, I just got married, so obviously I can't come. Yeah, that, that was that was Jesus talking. The message Jesus is saying is, sometimes we get too busy with life, right? We, the cares of this world, they can distract us from the obedience that God wants us to step out when it's time to step out in obedience, not to be too busy, busy, not to put it off, not to stick to maybe old traditions or what's comfortable. In my own life, there's been so many days where I have not felt like going to group, right? Because it was a long day at work, because the kids are crazy, because I, I just don't feel, right, in that moment, right, an hour, two hours before it starts, like doing anything. But I can tell you, and Lauren could tell you too, that so many times at the end of that night, like when we're lying in bed together or on the way home or whatever, we say, like, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad I went. That was good. This is the most encouraged I felt all week. Sometimes it's long from Sunday to Sunday, and you need that encouragement to help get you through the week. You need, you need that time. My last point, point number three. One is remember the faithfulness of God. Two is rely on God's people. And three, release the power of your story. Everybody needs God. Everybody needs somebody. And don't miss this. Somebody needs you.
the verse here is Re Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The testimony is your story. Everybody has a story. So I want you to think about this. What is your story? Everyone has a story of what God has done in their life, and no one and nothing can take that story, that testimony, away from you. That story I told of God's faithfulness, right, from my life, no one can ever take that away. And that's evidence, right, that God is going to take care of me, that God is going to provide for me. And you have stories, too. I love hearing people's stories. I really do. You, there's such inspiration and strength from someone else's testimony. Sometimes I am facing something in my life that I'm overwhelmed by, and that group, someone will share something from their life. They will tell their story. And you know what it does? It gives me inspiration. It helps slay the giant in my life when I hear the strength that they have, the resolve that they have, right? What, what they went through, it, it gives inspiration to me. Sometimes... You just you can bring comfort. You can bring comfort to someone who's who needs their heart to be mended, that feels brokenhearted. Now I know how some of you feel. You feel like your story may not be special, right? Someone, some people in here feel that way. That like, my story is not special. I know some people who have a great story, but that's not me. Like my dad, for example. My dad has an amazing story. If you've never heard my dad's testimony, like ask him to share it because it's good. Mine is not so much. But that, I also know that that's my own insecurity and doubts that play into that. Uh, part of my story is one of protection. Um, I've been in two really bad car wrecks. Uh, one time when I was a teenager, uh, I, I was driving by myself, and, and, and I wrecked the car, and I was upside down uh, in the ditch, and, and I, you know, I, got, I had to crawl out the window. You couldn't open a door. I had to crawl out an open window, and I walked away from a car that was upside down, crumpled in a ditch with no injuries. Another time, I was driving on um, on a 69 highway back from Overland Park to Lewisburg, and uh, and I spun out, and there was a there was a car in the passenger line that was passing me, and uh, this was a truck, and I was driving my little Honda Civic, and I slid barely into the median before this truck in the passing lane uh, didn't t-bone me. He he about t-boned me, and he was so startled. I mean, he pulls over, and uh, I'm I'm sitting there in the median, like in my Honda Civic, like. I mean, obviously, not, not even thinking straight, but also, I'm, I'm, I'm in a Honda Civic. I'm in the median. I'm stuck. And the guy out of the truck is like, hey, is, every, is everyone okay? Are you fine? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, are you alone? Because in, in, the, in the brief second that my car went in front of his perpendicular, he saw a car seat in the back. He's like, is there a baby? Or are you okay? And I was like, no, no there, there's a car seat, but I'm, you know, I'm by myself. And I said, how, how close did you come to hitting me? And he said, he said, feet. He's like, I, I still don't know how I didn't hit you. And... I still remember laying in bed that night, and I didn't feel invincible, but I felt that God has a purpose for my life. I was like, if, if God is going to take care of me here, he's got something for me, right? And that was when we just had Brecken, but obviously, like, I'm going to be a dad. He's like, he's got all these plans for me. I felt a very clear, I'm not dead, God's not done. So whatever his purpose is, I need to walk in it, because he's got something for me, and I don't want to miss it. God's protection has been there for me. Besides keeping me safe from harm, he has opened up doors for jobs. He's provided for us financially. When we felt like we were under uh, crushing debt that was crippling and suffocating, he's provided a way out. When I felt that our marriage was at a place where it was never going to heal and I wanted a way out, he's mended our hearts and brought us back together. He's prompted me to truly step out and, and love others. And not just listen to what Jesus said, but practice and put it into doing. I still remember a couple years ago on Thanksgiving, I was reading that verse in Matthew 25, where God said, 
visit those in prison. And I had no idea what I was doing. But I went online, and I signed up to be a prison ministry volunteer. And I've been a prison ministry for volunteer for about, I don't know, two and a half, three years now. And it has changed my life. And I never would have had that if I would have, if I would have missed out, if I, if I wouldn't have done anything. But I just wanted to step, I just wanted to do something because I felt like, how are you living out your faith? Yeah, it's one thing to hear it's good, but how are you taking that step and doing it? Now, in my growth group that last semester, there's more powerful stories than mine, way more powerful stories of strength, of resolve, of of God providing for people, of forgiveness, of seeking, of crying out to God. And I just want to say one last time, God wants to use your story. You know, the cool thing about sharing together in community is, please don't miss this. If you tune me out, please don't miss this. When you share pain, it divides. And when you share joy, it multiplies. When you share pain, it divides. And when you share joy, it multiplies. Because think about it. When you get good news, what's the first thing you want to do? Uh, you want to tell someone. You, you want, who, who's that person you text or that group of people you text when you get good news? And when your life feels like it's falling apart, who, who do you turn to? Because when you share pain, it divides. And when you share joy, it's multiplied. Now, I want to acknowledge real quick as we close that showing up to growth group once or even for a month, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to have 10 new best friends and that magic's going to come down and, you know, it's possible to show up and nothing magical happens. In fact, if you were to talk to people in growth group, or those of you that have been in growth group, you know, does something magical happen that night? Like, no, nothing magical happens that night, that one night. But it's over time, right? It's investing. It's, it's this habit of meeting together that God does something in our lives, in our relationships. It gives you an opportunity to connect with others. It gives you a support group who can pray for you and, and point each other towards Jesus. We can encourage one another. We can build one another up. We can counsel one another, accept one another, bear one another's burdens. All of those one another's that are in the New Testament and be united together. If you start to do these things, your life will change. This is what the first church did, and it changed the whole world, including Western civilization that, that we live in today was shaped by the early church. So let's, let's give it a shot. Now, there are ways that you can do this without growth group. I want to acknowledge one of the best things that I did is uh, uh, for those of you that don't know uh, my story, I was a youth leader in, in Lewisburg for a while, and um, I, I uh, one of my students uh, he, he graduated and, and just a, a, a super neat kid, and I felt like God wanted me to kind of mentor him a little bit. So I said, "Hey, let's let's go out for breakfast one one time," and um, and we just went out for breakfast. And we started talking about faith, and 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 God has used uh, our relationship where he, he's, he's been able to encourage me. He's one of those, I mean, <laughs> this may sound a little weird because he's a former student, but he's in college now. It's not like he's like 15 or something like this. But he, you know, we'll text each other once a week, and, and he's praying for me, and I'm praying for him. I've encouraged, uh, you know, him and his life. He's encouraged me in, in, in my walk. And, and, and some of you can, you know this. You, you've done this before, right? You've went out to coffee, and you've talked about faith. And there, there's so many ways to do this, but I want to offer you the, the invitation to give your faith some friends. Now, as we wrap up habits, um, I want to talk about one reason why we give up on building good habits or we give up on trying to break bad habits. And that is because sometimes that we do a, we, we have this bad habit. We do something that's maybe not healthy for us, right? We eat the peanut butter pie or the extra slice of peanut butter pie. And in that moment, we don't gain five pounds, so we think, you know, was it really that bad? I mean, I kind of feel the same as I did before. Or we talk about a bad about a person, and they don't find out, and we don't get in trouble, so was it really that bad? We, we go to the website, whatever we do, right? Like, we're like, you know, I'm still here. And so we, we kind of wrongly conclude that, well, bad decisions don't matter that much. Or the flip side, the, the good things that we're trying to do, right? We read the Bible one time, 
or we try to tithe the one month, or we try to work out and, and eat healthy, right? Who, who's done this, right? You've worked out, you, you've gotten on the treadmill, or you go for the run, and you're just like, I'm, I'm the same, I'm the same person, like, what is this? Where's the results, right? Or we do the bench press, and we're like, how, how, and so we wrongly conclude that good decisions, they don't matter that much, and we wrongly conclude that bad decisions, they don't matter that much. But those feelings are not a good indicator. Now, obviously, we know that it takes more time. But I just want to reinforce that those feelings, of if you step out in obedience, right, if you start reading your Bible, and like, I don't feel any different. I don't feel that God spoke to me. Those feelings are just feelings. That's not true. You still made a good decision. You still want to stick with that habits. Our habits are moving us in a direction. So what direction are you moving in? And do you like that direction? You can get where you're going, but you have to plan to get there. Your habits can set you on the right course. Victory is not a destination that you reach when you don't have any bad habits or when you've added a couple of good habits. Right? Victory is not a destination that you reach when you don't have these bad habits or when you add these good habits. Victory is when you are obedient today. If you did what you were supposed to do today, if you took a step in progress today, that is victory. There's not one ultimate victory, right? I think I told a couple weeks ago how, how Lauren and I are almost debt free. Like, yes, I'm looking forward to that moment where we can like finally like, you know, do a hooray shout or debt free. But like, you know what victory is? It's every month that we pay off a little bit more and we spend a little bit less. That is victory. It's not that when we finally get debt free, we've achieved victory. It's a hundred little victories along the way where we didn't spend that money. We put it towards the debt. And it's the same thing if you're trying to improve your physical health, if you're trying to improve your, your, your spiritual health, your relational health, whatever direction you want to go, it's not one ultimate victory that's elusive. Someday we'll get there. Yes, that goal is out there and keep that goal, but it's a hundred little victories of stepping out in obedience that day. So, in 2020, Let's step out into the life God has for us. There's a life of freedom, of purpose, of love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. That's what God has for you because he wants you to live by the Spirit. So let's do it together because it's a whole lot easier and a whole lot more fun when you do it together. Because after all, everybody needs God. Everybody needs somebody. And somebody needs you. Will you pray with me? Before we go to God in prayer, I just want to give you an opportunity. If, if where you're at, if you need to surrender, if you need to make that decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to do so today. Maybe you have some bad habits that you want to break. Maybe you have some good habits, and that's great, and I encourage you to do that. But let's not miss that most important decision to ask God for forgiveness of sins. That's where we, that's where we want to start. So if that's you, and you say, I need to make that decision to follow Jesus. I need Jesus to forgive me for my sins. The Holy Spirit is pulling on your heart. If you feel that in this moment, today is your day, that you need to say yes to Jesus and step into what he has